podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hi, producer guy here. You know what happens when it's me before a podcast is usually a bit of an issue. Uh, just editing Molby on the spot here and it looks like there's been a bit of a connection issue on Treb's end. Blaming the rural rural island and all that jazz. Um, but it looks like he had a bit of a connection issue so he does sound a bit weird, a bit off, a bit Dalek-y. Um, it does seem listenable. So I will release this, but just wanted to give you a heads up before the podcast. So if it's too much, we understand, but thought I'd give you a heads up before you uh, di- uh, take a deep dive into it and then come tweet at me later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, heads up there. So thank you. Uh, enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to Morby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of our man, Mr. Jan Morby. And as we break... Into the show, Jan, we have some breaking news. A day or so left in the window, and Liverpool have done a bit of business. Um, there were a lot of uh, angsty boys and girls, myself included, uh, thinking we needed to get some bits and bobs done. Now, the thing that we have had confirmed that Liverpool have done is apparently a deal, according to Mr. Ornstein, who tends to get the scoop, for Ryan Gravenberch at 40 million euros. Your immediate response to that, my man? Uh, obviously, I'm delighted that it's another option for for Jürgen. Um, 21 year old, obviously well educated at Ajax, uh, failed at, at Bayern Munich. Uh, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, two managers who didn't fancy him uh, only had three prim- three Bundesliga starts last year. And only played more than 45 minutes twice. So it's, it's been a tough, tough year for him. Uh, so now we've got to see. Uh, normally under, under circumstances that I think we all get very romantic about a lot of Ajax players, you know, and you look at the Ajax players and, and probably 30, 40% of them will leave Ajax and don't fulfill the potential. Uh, what worries me slightly is that Ryan Gravenberg has been away from Ajax for 12 months at a bigger club, and now he's stepping up again. I don't know whether Liverpool was a bigger club than Bayern Munich, but it's a stronger league. Uh, so, club needs to get something from him. Uh, he has he has a slightly different profile to what I thought. You know, I thought we'd have gone much more for an out-and-out six, which obviously indicates that I don't think we're going to rely solely on, on Endo being, being the man, but that Gravenberg will play some games as a six, six and maybe McAllister the same. And so in many ways, it's an exciting uh, signing. It's, it's not one of those where I can guarantee you, Trevor. I still think there's a certain amount of 
risk attached to the deal. And yet again, mm-hmm. I have to say that the whole window hasn't made an awful lot of sense, Jimmy. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor, and I don't know what's happened at the Bayern Moon again, but I got the feeling that Gavin Birch was, was available three months ago. Uh, if, if we, we'd have pushed the button, so if we'd have gone to the feeder, we'd now agree this is so. I don't want to be negative, uh, but I do have slight hesitations. And again, I have slight hesitations about, yes, it's another body. It's another midfield player. What, what issues and problems do we have? Will he solve? Obviously, if he fills his potential, it's plain sailing, isn't it? Because he, he did look, he, he looked a very good young midfield player, great ball carrier, very mobile, isn't it? So listen, welcome to Liverpool. Good luck. It's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for somebody who's been to Bayern Munich for 12 months and not really done it and should be given a second chance at an even bigger stage. So, you know, fingers crossed, let's hope the boy makes it. We, we, we can be nothing but positive when a new player arrives, you're right, um, and should be, you're right. But I would just like to sort of raise my hands to the football gods and say thank you for what you said there because, frankly, I found myself today dragged in unwittingly to some sort of incredibly toxic debate that goes on between Liverpool fans, some of whom seem to need to be super positive, uh, Jürgen can do no wrong, FSG are wonderful people, up the Reds, I'm only in it for the fun and the day out. They all get bundled together and they seem to hate anyone who has even a width. Now, I'm, I'm the last thing I am is a gloomy pessimist. But I said something today, and tell me if you think this sounds unreasonable. What I said was, the gist of it was, no matter what way you cut it, going into the last day and 13 hours of the transfer window, with obvious players needed in the squad, does not seem like a good thing. Does that seem unreasonable to you? No, absolutely not. And especially, it's it's there is clubs who have history in leaving things late. Uh, but we have not been one of those clubs of late. You know, as, as I keep saying, we've always been a club that's slightly ahead of the curve, isn't it? So what I do like about the Gravenberg thing is that maybe we don't have with the Darby Nunez uh, or, or, or maybe some of the other signings is that I do believe that we watched him intensely when he was at Ajax. I, I do believe that is the case. Uh, so obviously we're signing him at, on memory, you know, and the stats that we take from what he achieved in the Eredivisie season. So listen, but I, I, I think it's, it's been very difficult to question things and decisions that Liverpool have made, uh, over the last six or seven years, isn't it? But I think we're, we're heading into a period where I think it's okay to turn these things inside out, you know, and go, have we had a great window? It could pretend to be a, a fantastic window, but it could also be potentially one of those windows where, yet again, we're being left a little bit short, uh, and some people we be disappointed. And and the window hasn't closed yet. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not for one believing that Mohamed Salah will will, will will leave us this late in the window. Uh, so, no, I think it's a fair point you make, uh, Trevor. Is uh, did we get what we wanted? I would mm. like to have seen. I would like to see what the wishes were uh, come the end of May, uh, what, what, what we'd hope for, what we'd end up with in the end. 
a couple of things strike me on that. You talk about, you know, uh, the fact that we've done our homework on this guy. I have no doubt about it. Um, but it's ironic, really, that the homework was probably done on the watch of the previous incumbents who ran the tight ship that you're referring to. The ship has ceased to be quite so tight. We know this simply because of all the people who have left uh, and the excellence level that they had. This is not to denigrate anyone who's currently in these positions, but it does have a feel of being put together hastily. The George Schmatke uh, experiment is very much up for, if not ridicule, then mockery because of how things have gone. And if that is the case, it's quite ironic that it's a, if a footballer who, who was identified at an earlier stage uh, when those previous guys were in situ. There is obviously a big, there's been a big sort of um, room, it's not rumour, there's a, a very strong suggestion from people in the know that um, this particular kid, Gravenberch, is very much a favourite of, of Linders and Klopp, that they very much like this footballer. And so it brings me to the question that I, I, that came out of the second thing you said about the profile of footballer. Now, you said it would be nice if we had an idea what it was that they were looking for, what who was on the list. Um, and it might make sense to an awful lot of people. It could calm a lot of people down in terms of the way that they're t- talking about this. But we are, we have had a, a powerful hint, haven't we, Jan, about the type of player because we we uh, were reportedly ready to part with um, 111 million for Caicedo. So I don't think it's irrational pessimism and, and gloom and doom merchants to say we don't seem to have gotten that type of lad. So that's a fair point, isn't it? And yeah. we were immediately linked with Ducouré, and that just went quiet because apparently he's been we're, we've been priced out of that one too. So you, can, you you have to understand that people are a little bit they've got one eyebrow raised at least. Yeah, uh, I mean it's probably even fair to say that this is FSG at his best. Uh, they 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 we, we find somebody who fits into what they would like to to pay, and uh, the fact that he's twenty one. Ticks all the boxes, isn't it? Uh, so, but I, I agree. And again, Trevor, it's often where you try and compare yourself to the others. Uh, and if you look at the, the number sixes at some of the other clubs, and you know, you mentioned Casado's now gone to Chelsea, isn't it? But Arsenal have Declan Rice and Thomas Partey and Manchester United have Casemiro. Okay. A little bit on his last legs, isn't it? But, and probably the best in the Premier League, the boy at Manchester City, Rodri, isn't it? So, and we, we, it looks like, do, do I fancy that Gravenberch or McAllister or whatever could play as a six against the likes of Manchester City and, and, and even Arsenal or whatever when they're at their best? Probably not. So it makes me think that we're heavily reliant on Endo and you get up to speed pretty quick. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop 
or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I think that's fair, although there are rumours today as well, very strong rumours, uh, about a link with Calvin Phillips on loan. Now, you could see how were we to split the money in that way and perhaps do something late in the window, which, as you said, not necessarily ideal and a little bit atypical, but were we to do something late in the window for a player of Calvin Phillips's profile, given the fact that he hasn't been a regular with City and has had a rough time there? Um, but I think an awful lot of people would be reasonably pleased with that kind of a setup, because then you might have a player who at least looks on paper something like the profile that we were clearly targeting. We wanted a Chumeni, we wanted a Caicedo, we wanted a Ducouré. So you would imagine that that might at least put some people uh, a little bit more at ease. Is it a signing that would make sense for you, Jan? Uh, do you think, do you buy into the decline around um, the, the, the rumours of decline around Phillips or is it just simply he hasn't had an opportunity really? I was going to say once upon a time but that of course is harsh uh, but you go back 15 months when he was at Leeds and before he left for Manchester City I think most top clubs would have had a go at Calvin Phillips uh, yeah. you know all his managers at Leeds <laughs> speak very highly of him Gareth Southgate loves him in the England setup. Uh, there's no doubt the boy's got some uh, it just it just hasn't ticked the right boxes uh, with Pep Guardiola. Uh, so again, it's a bit like the grabbing birds thing, isn't it? You know, we 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 kind of dismissed the last fifteen months the boys had. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be against it uh, if he was possibly on loan. Uh, that would even make more sense uh, because then you you don't get your fingers burned. Although I'm sure that City would probably insist on. On a, 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 a buy an option at the, at the end of the long thing, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But I've always liked Calvin Phillips. Uh, but as I said before, we have to go past the last fifteen months. Uh, in the last fifteen months, he hasn't been great for him, and Pep Guardiola came out with some things that obviously didn't help him uh, when when he returned, and he was maybe half a kilo away. You know what I mean? And and and, and that certainly didn't help the boy at that time, did it? Uh, because I was at quite a few of the City games and everywhere he went, he just got unmercifully stick full of that. It's a bit of banter from the fans, isn't it? But he certainly didn't help him. And it's probably one of them things that Pep Guardiola, looking back on, he probably regrets, isn't it? So from this, from this side, Trevor, I think Calvin Phillips, Calvin Phillips is a tremendous footballer. Can we get him going again? We go up Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope. Guardiola regrets that because it has really been a millstone around his neck and you know I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances so it seems like a weird one uh, to be thrown out there almost a kind of a personal dig um, before the whole transfer stuff gets wrapped up I wouldn't mind just getting a quick take from you how you think other clubs have done I mean I would be in absolute awe if you could even keep track of how many players Chelsea have signed. But just before we go to other clubs and what business that has been done that you think, you know, what they've done well there, um, to address the elephant in the room, which is this constant uh, ongoing story about um, Mo Salah. Uh, and 
how much there is to it, we don't know. But the same person who we were very happy to uh, accept as 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 having told us gospel that Graf and Birch has signed Ornstein, he was the guy who broke this uh, Salah to Al Ittihad's story. Um, and there's all sorts of numbers floating around. Who knows what the truth of those are? Um, I suppose what it did was it reminded you and I and everybody else of the big disruptor that the Saudi league has become and the fact that it's probably grown into something far greater than any of us had hoped or feared. Um, they're now signing players of a kind of mid twenties or young twenties up and coming profile as well into that league. So it's turning into quite the beast. Um, and people are going, and I think an awful lot of people thought, Jan, that, well, footballers uh, have, you know, they, they want to stay with the back club and, and win trophies. Are. We've seen that people will do, they will do things for money. And it's, that's surely just a story of life and you shouldn't be criticized for it when you've got a career the last few years. So it's a massive, massive story. I think you're leaning towards never going to happen, not at this stage of the window, etc. But it does seem as if we've been just told what's going to happen next summer, doesn't it? I agree. I mean, I have to be honest, Trevor, when Ronaldo went to Saudi Arabia, I didn't bat an eyelid. You know, I thought very much this is a one-off. Uh, they, 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 they'd taken somebody to try and promote their bid to host the World Cup in 2030 or 2034. And uh, that was about as far as it went. Uh, what we're now being told is that this is a 10-year plan. There's money, there's money uh, being committed towards a 10-year plan. Now, a 10-year plan, Trevor, would give you 20 transfer windows. We've had one. And look at the damage yeah. they've done in one, you know. So, I think this is serious. But I think what they do, they go straight for the juggler, don't they? They go straight to the player. They somehow get hold of the player and go, here you are, discuss this offer with your family tonight when you're having dinner. You know, in Mo Salah's case, three and a half million a week, yeah? Put that on the table and see what the family think, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, Trevor, isn't it? That is the problem. You know, you throw an offer like that and you go, how do I even start to think about saying no? Uh, so I think in 12 months' time, I hope it doesn't happen this window, uh, but I think in 12 months' time, I think we'll prepare ourselves because Mo Salah is the one that they want. And I, I fully understand that, the profile and everything else. And I fully understand if Mo wants to be part of it as well. So maybe that will give us 12 months and we'll still get a, a big, big fee and, and he'll get a massive, massive payday, isn't it? I also think that, all right, he hasn't been out and said anything in it, but it wouldn't surprise me if Mo said to the club, listen, no need, this is a bit too close for comfort, isn't it? You know, let's not cause too many ructions here and uh, we'll see you back in 12 months. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting you, you, you point that out um, because I was just going to say from you know my own personal point of view, the family thing is a massive, massive influence in what you do career-wise. It, it just is. I've made several decisions which are just, well, I better take the safe option because I had a young kid or whatever. And then there was an option to go for, say, a promotion at work. And I got it right in the ear because I wasn't arsed about the extra 10 or 20 grand a year, which is a significant amount of money in normal world, um, because I didn't want that change to my life. But we had a very awkward family conversation about it because that's 
it affects everybody, and that's fair. And I think it's really vital that you point that out because it's not just a lad saying who do I, who do I want to kick a football for. It's a whole array of things, and we've learned, haven't we, that an awful lot of these footballers, because they get paid so very much money, they have I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word entourage, but they have a wee group of people, or perhaps a large group of people, who are dependent upon them. They're kind of the centre of these people's wee economy. And that's a lot of responsibility to bear as well. So there are a lot of factors, Jan. I mean, even back in the day, you yourself, when you had different options, you must you, you must have had the same experience. You, you don't just make a flighty decision on the spur of the moment just because it's you and you alone when you have a family. No, absolutely not. I mean, you, you look at all eventualities, and obviously the football and, and, and you being happy is a massive big thing, isn't it? But it's also what you're capable of doing. And as you write before, and I was going to say that anyway, you know, Mo Salah with a contract like the one he could be looked forward to if he goes to Saudi Arabia would open a whole new door of opportunities in terms of the people nearest and dearest him that he could involve in, 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 in his life and make sure they're okay. Uh, I mean, in Egypt, there's wealthy people as well as, as poor people, isn't it? And I'm not suggesting that all his family members are, and his wife's family members are, are wealthy. So, so maybe this is an opportunity. You go, we expand this even further hours and we just look after everybody, isn't it? It's an opportunity. They very rarely are going to be given, isn't it? So I think he, I think he quite fancies the whole thing around it. I think he quite fancies being part of it, being the face of the Saudi Arabia League in the face of Saudi Arabia League, even when he has the likes of Ronaldo and Neymar, and he would probably be the biggest star, isn't it? Uh, and I think next year, he probably feels that his job is done in Europe, his job is done with Liverpool, isn't it? And I think if that was the case, I think he found very few Liverpool fans who wouldn't let him go without blessings. You know, and I think the big thing with that is also is that you're probably going to get a slightly enhanced market value for him, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure, and it will be a massive factor in anything that happens. Um, while we have him in the jersey, it's wonderful to watch him do what he does. And at the weekend, we had a hugely dramatic match. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about those about the significance of the win in a sort of a in a different way in a second. But just to address the fact first that two one win against Newcastle really pulled from the jaws of defeat in and, and, and adversity. Uh, nothing really going for us in the game. There was a lot to admire about the way Liverpool played, tried to string passes together, showed bravery on the ball. Uh, I was very struck by that. And, you know, you can see perhaps how there is some sort of a system which could develop that some sort of a hybrid that might allow players like McAllister and Sabaz like to do what they do and also contribute their energy in a new way to defending. Who knows? Maybe we can cobble some system together. Maybe Jurgen's got a super plan in the in the in the in the offing. However, the win at the weekend, let's get to this, it could be massive psychologically, yeah. Because when you get a result like that, that's scarcely deserved and yet dramatically earned. It's 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 a big boost for a squad. You saw what it meant to Trent Alexander Arnold, whose head, if we're honest, had gone in the opening part of the game. And he fought his way back into the game and I thought he did well. But he was 
roaring about getting the throw in in the dying seconds, roaring up at the crowd because of how much it meant. It, it, it was it was been very emotional that afternoon. It just felt like a very big game. Mm. You know, I think I think so. This is the aftermath of the game, and we now look at the impact that the results have had. If you're a Liverpool fan, with three games, seven points, two away games at Chelsea and Newcastle, you're thinking top four, you know, and it might even be top five next year because they changed the, uh, the, the, the Champions League. But you're thinking top four, we're having a bit of this top four. If it goes against us, then you're thinking top four, City, I can see Chelsea. But all of a sudden now, you're putting Chelsea in with the others, aren't you? You're putting Chelsea in with the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United and Spurs and whatever thing. But I don't know, you know, whereas you're not thinking Liverpool yet because you only get better. Uh, in a in a sort of weird way, I don't know if it, sending off never helps, you know, because you're obviously playing with a man less. But I thought it helped us focus. You know, I, I thought it helped our players focus and go, that little bit of uncertainty there was at the start of the game, which was quite a scrappy open, uh, I, I think that sort of evaporated and everybody goes, okay, I've got a fucking job to do here now. Mm-hmm. All I have to do now is do your job. It doesn't matter who you are, you do your job yet. Don't get over ambitious. We do our job and we stay in the game. And that was the key one is stay in the game. Get to the last 15 minutes. They will become nervous because it's only one nil. And they by then should have had the game out of sight. Not that they had the chances, but the feeling always is, and I was at St. James's Park, and as soon as the sending off came, you felt the fans for the next 10 minutes going, go on then, let's finish this. Mm. But they never finished it, did they? And they never really got back to that in the second half. So it, it was always the clock was in many ways in our favour. The longer it goes and still 1-0, they'll get nervy. And they did. And then Eddie Howe did what I thought he should have done. You know, he made some changes to try and be clever, to try and shore up the game, which affected their rhythm. And then, of course, we... And I wouldn't suggest that Klopp is, is the best man in the world in making substitutions, but he got his bang on. You know, our substitution, fuck me, did they make an impact? And everybody talks about David Nunes, isn't it? What about Shota? Shota was unreal, you know, in that position he took up. And what I like more than anything, Trevor, is that and we saw Arsenal the other week play with 10 men against Palace and they couldn't play. Arsenal forgot how to play. We, we to be fair, didn't. When we had to, you can't play, you can't go at, at the opposition for, for an hour with 10 men but when we had to and that was the tactics when the last 15 minutes and we went at it and we played really well with that 10 men and I thought shots up was a big part of that yeah absolutely spot on all of that as far as I'm concerned and what was really interesting was your eye test there where you said look it looked as if everybody sort of realised that they had a job to do and realised they needed to be disciplined is backed up by the stats boys who, who uh, I was listening to Under Pressure there yesterday and they analysed all the data from the game as usual and one of the interesting things was the ball retention and completed passes were through the roof from that period on um, and it, it does speak to a discipline that I think a lot of people might have wondered if we had or not. And I think it's funny. I don't know. I don't know how to say this without slagging off lads who were there before. I don't want to do that. But when you have ball players like McAllister, and I think especially that there's a calm and a presence about Zabalzai that I hadn't banked on, and it's a lovely bonus. 
And he just has, you know, a physicality and strength and presence, but also then that technique as well. And when you have fellas who are calm on the ball, and then you have killers and 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 and, and speed merch, a speed merchant like Darwin, you, you then then things become possible. But initially, it was McAllister, Sabazai, all those guys retaining the ball, and that's that was huge. The discipline there to do that. I think they'll take a lot out of this, Jan, psychologically. I really do. Like, I mean, I can see how this would really knit that group together. It could be massive for us. Yeah, it could be. And also, it can be very – a start to a season can be very superficial in many ways. Is that like – because there's no real league table to, 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 to uh, look at and, and you don't know – what is a big game? Which game do we need to win? Or whatever. Something a bit superficial, isn't it? And then what you need, you need a proper game, don't you? And, and, and that for me in the second half was like a proper game where we're up and running now. We're away. You know, we know McAllister, you've settled in. Dominic Chavos, like we know you've settled in, isn't it? We, we, we now know this is what we're capable of. And we also know that when we ask Trent to play as a right back, he can play as a right back, yeah, and that he just does that job, isn't it? So, so I think it was like a, a real game in that second half. It's got us up and running. We know where we're at. We know what the expecta- expectations are. And so I thought in so many ways, it, it, it's always a massive game, but this was a, this was just a big game, a big game, Trevor. Uh, and I know we got, we got a couple of games coming up. We've got a couple of home games coming up that I'm not particularly looking forward to, uh, because of the way the opposition plays, isn't it? But that win at Newcastle, I think will prove to be massive. I agree. And I mean, psychologically speaking, as well as every other way, it's, it's, it was a huge win. It, uh, to look at, at, at Nunes just for a minute, um, a lot of people felt he was being hard done by, um, by the manager in terms of not getting an opportunity. Uh, I'll admit my limited knowledge of football would have said to me that it would have been an ideal game for him to start because of his pacing behind. You don't. I'm not saying that you look like a genius because that's exactly how we scored our goals with balls in behind and his pace and turning defenders and getting on their shoulder. But that's what happened. And his finishing was clinical. He had get put up a red flag or two beforehand with his ability to get in. He was pure chaos and danger and effectiveness when he came on. And that's exactly what we want to see from this kid. Um, if it's going to be potentially massive for the club, it really could be a galvanising game for Darwin Nunes and his Liverpool career because it did seem as if the manager didn't have that trust in him. Everyone else seemed to be ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, I wonder, will this be a, sort of a, a catalyst for him now to say, yeah, I am the first teamer. Put me in there and put Mo, Mo and Luis Diaz either side of me and I will wreak havoc with Sabazlai and McAllister playing balls through, Trent playing balls through. It's exciting, yeah. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. 
and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, absolutely exciting. Uh, uh, but, but, but you did mention it there in that obviously the boy was disappointed. I was at the Chelsea game, first game of the season. And I think it's very, a half time when all the players come out to warm up, he was sitting on the bench, you know, and, and obviously he's unhappy by not being involved. Because I think pre-season and whatever you make a pre-season, he's probably done what he's been asked to do. And that was be a better fit in the press and score goals. And he did exactly those two things in pre-season. Uh, and then the league game starts and you mentioned trust. Klopp doesn't trust Darwin Nunes in the same way he trusts Cody Gagbo. But Cody Gagbo has not started the season very well. It probably hasn't helped him having to play two games in midfield. Uh, but we didn't see an awful lot of him at, at St. James's Park either. And then, of course, you have a player who comes on and has that impact. Uh, it's very, very difficult, isn't it? The one thing that will probably be in his favour, Darwin Nunes, is that we're playing Aston Villa. We play with a high defensive line. And I mean a high defensive line. So Klopp might just think, we don't need Cody Gakpo to link play here. We need a thread in behind. And he only needs to get it right once or twice, doesn't he? Uh, because in terms of whereas before, there would have been certain situations where you've seen Davin Nunes running through on goal and you go, I don't know. This could go either way. But obviously mm. the two finishes, two identical finishes uh, last Sunday would surely have given him some confidence. Now, you'll know and you'll be able to help us out with this in terms of a bit of insight. But my natural reaction now is, for God's sake, don't drop him, because who knows what that might do to him, actually, in the complete opposite way. Um, if, if this has been a shot in the arm for the kid, then to find himself back on the bench again might be the exact opposite and it could actually you could see how things might go badly from that spot so it really does feel like one of those sliding doors moments um so that's and i don't think i'm being too armchair psychologist there it's just that i think that's how i would feel in that situation and if i'm a slightly more um emotional lad from uruguay i think i definitely feel like that Perhaps there's no room for that kind of thing in the game, though, when you're making decisions at the very highest level. And um, that's what an awful lot of people would say. But you've been there and done that in terms of being on the pitch at the highest level. And you've been there and done that in terms of making calls on fellas who are in those situations. Do I play him? Do I not play him? What would be your gut feeling of what Klopp does, knowing the man himself uh, with Darwin? So... Obviously, and you've already pointed out how every player is different and how you deal with every player is different. But you look at Darwin and you think nothing is nothing has triggered him as of yet. Uh, you know, he's had he's had his moments, and we've said this might be the moment, but nothing has triggered him as of yet. But I just think that even against Manchester United in the seven nil or whatever, but what we saw on Sunday, I think, was Darwin Nunes's game. That's why we won. You know, and I think the fact that his game has made him into that match win on Sunday, I think will make Klopp think is that this might be the one thing that triggers him in that we, we just need to run with him because he's now full of confidence, isn't he? So I do think he'll play against, uh, play against Aston Villa and I think he'll get a run of games and, and then we'll just take it. But I just think it's so important that 
the white showed on Sunday with the qualities we bought when we paid all that money for him. That ability to run in behind and finish things off, yeah. And he did exactly that. He scored plenty of goals for us, but sort of different goals and all sorts of playing left and whatever. This is like him saying, get on. This is, this is what I got. You know, I, there's a lot of other things I don't do. Yes, I don't do a lot of the other things, but this is what I do. You know, mm. you, you, you make sure, come on, you know, put me in those positions and we'll be okay. You know, we can, uh, we can rock and roll together. So come on, you know, let, let's, let's not piss about anymore. I mean, this is, this is the moment now, isn't it? Where, where I take off, you know what I mean? We're ready to go. So yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be, I mean, we, we never know, do we, Trevor, but it's, uh, it's it's exciting, that's for sure. I think it's the first time I've really been excited about him, apart from when we signed him. Uh, you know, yeah. where sometimes yeah. you, you look and you go, yeah, I don't know. There's still things, isn't the I'm thinking now he's gone. Let's go. Let's go with this game I've got. Let's just, this is the only game I've got. So let's go with it. And if that is the game he's got and he does things like that every second game, I think everybody would be very happy with that. And like I say, when you've got, the likes of Mo Salah, who I thought was wonderful on the afternoon. Every, all, all, all of his game was excellent. He's a, such an underrated passer of the ball. The ball he gave through for the winner was fantastic. Jada, uh, you mentioned, who came on and was, was, was immediately impactful. I thought Harvey Elliott looked good when he came on as well. Um, we mentioned McAllister and Sabozlai. Um, we had a real kick in the face leading into the game, which was the news about Ibu Kanate being injured with a muscle injury. And now it appears as if he's not going to be back for, uh, the Villa game either and not until after the international break. And that was a real, uh, big um, for us and to lose Virgil van Dijk as well and then ironically we saw Joel Matip go off so we ended up with a centre-half partnership of, of, of Kwanzaa was that his debut or certainly I think it's the first significant minutes he's played and Joe Gomez who both did well in those final moments but this is the other area isn't it to bring us back to the start of the show where most people were saying we could probably do with a little, at least an upgrade on one lad there to take out perhaps one of those injury prone chaps out of it and much as I hate to say it Ibrahim Kanate, who has the potential to be one of the very best in the world is currently in that bracket and he needs a couple of years injury free to get out of that bracket we know Virgil is, I thought Virgil's been doing pretty well, low keys in, in the last couple of games. Um, but he's not going to last forever. And then around about that, you've got, um, Matip. We had Gomez, who people weren't sure where his form was. Would he ever get back to what he was? It looked like one of those areas we should have strengthened. Uh, it was very unsettling, wasn't it? Going into the game with that news about Kanate and then to see what happened with Van Dyke, it makes it all the more impressive how they rallied. So what 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 Offshore trying to give our team a new engine. Yeah. We're, mm. we're trying to give the team a new a brand new midfield. Uh and on Sunday I'm thinking, are we neglecting other parts? Would the Newcastle game be the one game that exposes why we're desperate for a centre half? Didn't expose us. It probably does it a little bit in that, of course, Van Dyke will be suspended and he might even get another game, uh, because of his foul and abusive language, uh, Konati being injured. Uh, so it, it, it might just be that 
could we take Calvin Phillips on loan or, and then maybe get a young centre-half? I, I don't know. Obviously, we've, we've now finally decided that Nathaniel Phillips is, 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 is not uh, going to be involved. He's gone to, to Celtic, I guess. So, it worries me slightly. It worries me slightly, Trevor, because we've been there, haven't we? Two years ago, we spoke before the season, about three years ago. We're, we're a little bit light in centre-halves. And then last year, we kind of go, yes, we got nine centre midfield players who can play there but you know there's two or three we can't rely on and there's two or three that are injury prone and believe me if you're injury prone and especially with muscles sometimes there is a lot you can do that will just be your football career you know you'll pick them up from time to time you'll have little runs and whatever but you'll always tend to pick up little things in, and Konati might just be one of those yeah, so it it, it 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 is a worry. I know. Again, <laughs> the internet police aren't really happy when you say things like that, but it is important to like be realistic about it. Um, and there was all this talk about we were going to adapt to this new fluid system with Trent and see how that goes. And if that was the case, we might might need a pacey centre half for the left hand side who could maybe do a few things that Robbo couldn't do in terms of recovery pace and in terms of maybe being there far more as a defensive presence rather than Robbo's inclination to bomb on or at least to give him a dig out and be able to swap with him Um, we haven't addressed that so there are several reasons to be a little bit antsy I think there about the defence and the makeup of the defence but you know like you say let's give the final 24 hours or whatever and we can sort of uh, uh, talk about it as it goes along the other sort of elephant in the room that I wanted to address in terms of this game and I know you probably roll your eyes and maybe you don't even really want to talk about it and that's fair enough actually because I'm kind of sick to the back of myself but it was another absolutely horrendous officiating um performance another game where it looked very like there was some sort of um odd agenda going on they looked like there was some sort of a weird you know not to get too conspiratorial about it but weird sort of odd bias against liverpool that particular performance by john brooks was remarkable i mean you had the initial thing that started the whole uh, home fans to get on their real uh, buzz that they got on, which ended with the goal, um, where Trent was blatantly fell right in front of him, right in front of the linesman. And as he's off the field, he fires the ball back onto the field of play, not even particularly aggressive, but back onto the field of play, if you don't mind, um, from off the field of play. And nothing's given. And he's booked for throwing the ball. And, and then within a few minutes, maybe Anthony Gordon's got in his head. We know Trent's, uh, he's an emotional character and maybe he just lost a little bit and he makes the mistake for the goal and so on and so forth. What I'm trying to get at, Jan, in a long-winded way is that these decisions in a cumulative way had a very big bearing on the game. And it was again, testimony, I think, to our lads that they overcame that. But you wouldn't want to be relying on late Darwin Nunes winners every week. So do you think there's an issue here um, going forward with even just the standard of officiating? And I'll wrap it up with this. We saw Mike Dean chatting with Sky. I'm sure you saw the clip talking about, you know, the gist of it was he had made some quotes about, you know, you don't want to let down your mates, your, your group of mates out there and you're working together and, 
then you try to roll it back and say, well, you're just protect, protecting your colleague, protecting the, the referee. I'm sorry, but that's not your job to protect the referee when you're VAR. Your job is to interrogate his decision and correct it if it's wrong. We're back to this thing, aren't we, Jan, of getting an independent organization to do the VAR. I've, I've said that all along, sir. You, you cannot you have, have you, you cannot have the on-field referees also being the VAR referees. It cannot and mustn't go on. It, it's just ridiculous. The thing about referees, and we talk, Trevor, yeah, and we go, they're all cheats, yeah. They do this, they do that. But you can always say, if you say to me, all the referees are cheating, whatever, and I go, but they're not, Trevor, you know, because we've never had it confirmed, have we? Until my dean decided yeah. to go. But you know what? Do you know Actually, what? Actually, we are. <laughs> the, the integrity of the game is not that important. My mate Taylor and his reputation is much more important, yeah? Rugby, tennis, there are other sports that use technology, yeah? They do it to get to the right decision. We don't use VAR to get to the right decision, do we? Never have. You know, no, we don't. You know, it's it's like I couldn't care less about clear and obvious. If it's over the fucking line, it's over the line, or wherever. I don't care. You know, let's let's just get back to bang. Is it or isn't it? I, I don't care about the feelings about the referee. Yeah, I care about the game. The game should be the most important. Is it funny you should mention John Brooks? It's too early to make uh, a prediction on whether he's going to be a good referee or not. He's relatively new at this level. Uh, but during commentary, my commentator said after 10 minutes, it's been a bit of a nervy start by the players. And I went, you know what? I say, I'm not sure the players are as nervous as the referee. The referee is not helping the game. Sometimes referees help games, don't they? He wasn't helping the game. And I think if you have a referee that's nervous or not making good decisions, you as a player notice these things, you know what I mean? So it's... Uh, he misses the foul on Trent, which is one of those. Yeah, it can happen, isn't it? But it's it's a poor call not to see it, isn't it? You know, it's it's. We can always go. Yeah, we miss things, and sometimes you're in the wrong position and you can't see, and your view is blocked and whatever. Isn't it? But it was a poor decision to miss the foul by Gordon. Uh, and as he rightly said, that affected the first thirty minutes of the game because then it became about trying to get Trent sent off. And to be fair to Anthony Gordon, he had to make a good start. And when he got inside his head, I'm not, I don't know when Trent made that decision. On, 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 you know, so, yeah, it's, I, I I don't know where we go. So, Howard Webb, you know, has decided, and I don't have a massive problem with that, in that the, the abuse we've seen of the referees and whether that was the Europa League final uh, with, with Mourinho and whatever it is, that can't go on. You know, we've got to set the best example. The, the players and the man who's got to set the better example, isn't it? But he's, he's, it's a tough line, isn't it? You know, it's a tough line and it's very, very difficult. So take the Arsenal, uh, Tommy Asin, who gets his first booking for time wasting. It wasn't him time wasting. It was Arsenal time wasting. You know, mm-hmm. because one player had the ball who then threw it to Kai Havertz who had the ball for 15 seconds, who then threw it to Tommy Asu, who had the ball for eight seconds. So it wasn't Tommy Asu time wasted, it was Arsenal. So I think it's, I understand we want to come down on the, 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 the players, the manager being very clear, and this is how we time waste and whatever it is. 
But I think it's a it's a tough line, isn't it? You know, so already now it's like if we continue with it, which we can live with, Trevor, if we have consistency. You know, yeah. but we we didn't have enough consistency in that game, did we? You know, we we saw Joe Linton uh, apart from committing roughly between five and seven fouls, and also a couple of times waving the old imaginary yellow car, uh, which other people have booked for us. So it was a poor, or more worryingly, an inconsistent performance, I think. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yes, and you mentioned the uh, extra band that, that Virgil is has hanging over him. It is interesting that they've chosen to pursue that particular idea with Virgil van Dijk when I've seen players haranguing referees in every game, um, probably in worse fashions. And certainly not in a context where a fella feels that he's been wrong, done wrong to and, you know, is, 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 is feels like the, the game and the referee has gone very much against his side. So it's interesting. Um, I think the point you made there is perfect. As long as that clear and obvious thing is in there as a caveat, it allows subjective stuff to go on. It's like, I don't think my mate Anthony Gordon or my mate, uh, uh, whoever it happens to be, was in the wrong there. I think he, I need to protect him. I don't think he's made a really bad gaffe. And as you say, I don't give a shit what you think about your pal. Just give the decision. And I hope that's what happens going forward. I have no confidence it will. We should get to the usual bits and bobs, Jan, because there are two things I want to address before we finish in the last 10 minutes. First of all, I'd love to be talking to you about the Champions League draw because it's been made, but I can't because we're not in it. Um, and the second thing is I'd love to be talking to you about the uh, Europa League draw at least, but I can't really because at this point in time, uh, we don't know the final uh, outcome of the, the final games because there's a few of them still going on. Just a brief chat on it though. We're in part one with West Ham, Roma, 
probably Ajax, who are well ahead, Villarreal, Leverkusen, Atalanta, and possibly Dinamo Zagreb as well. And you look around, Pot 2 has Rangers in there and Sporting and um, Betis and Marseille. So that's a, there's a few potentially very tasty European fixture field games there. Pot 3... We're starting to get slightly. I presume we have. I presume there's there's uh, inability to draw an English club. So Brighton are in there. Freiburg, Maccabi Haifa, uh, Molde from Norway, Karabag and Bratislava, and then finally in pot four you've got Sturm Graz and Toulouse and AEK Athens. Uh, Panathinaikos are there as well, and a couple of other clubs. Aberdeen potentially could be in there as well. Now. I don't know about you, but I'm actually completely all in on this competition this year. And I kind of, in a, in a sort of a OCD way, um, that I have where I always like complete sets of things. I would love Klopp to win this trophy. So you could genuinely say he's won the lot. And I would love the club to win a European trophy this year, um, a major European trophy this year to make a point as much as anything else. I think we have the players and squad to potentially do this. When you look at this, do you find yourself sort of slump shoulder thinking, shit, we're missing out on the big one? Like I did for a minute, I'll be honest. But even talking about it there, I'm already getting a sort of excitement level for this competition. I feel kind of all in on it. Where, where are you landing with it? Yeah, of course, disappointed. Uh, you, you know, I've, I watched the Champions League draw a couple of hours ago and, you know, you look at, the, you know, all these big clubs and, you know, we're at the level. Uh, with most of them, if not better, and you kind of think, ah, you know, but the the Europa League in Dublin, Trevor, bloody hell, yeah. final in Dublin, yeah. can't be better. What's our only worry is that Seville drops in from the Champions League and wins <laughs> it again. <laughs> it's the only thing that worries me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and get the, and get the hotel room in Dublin, but apart from that, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I've got a spare bedroom, lad. You're all right. Uh, I, I've, I've got a, I've got. If you, if off, off the crew in pot two, say that we know are in there: Rangers, Sporting, Stad Ren, Betis, Marseille. Which one do you want from that? Uh, I wouldn't worry about any of them. You know, I mean. Marseille, but we want to go to Marseille. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great experience to go to Marseille, isn't it? Uh, to play against those guys. Uh, so yeah, maybe Marseille, just to have a little bit of a, you know, because obviously some of it, and probably part three and four, will probably be smaller clubs, you know what I mean, where the away experience might not be, but the away experience at Marseille is tremendous, although you do fear a little bit, uh, because they can get a bit hairy there, can't you? But, uh, I wouldn't mind playing against Marseille. Yeah, I think Marseille or Betis would be a great one. And there are, like you say, you could round out a very nice and very interesting group. And it'll be interesting to see how seriously we take it in terms of what level of player he selects for these games. We do have this game against Aston Villa at the weekend before. Kind of a period from Sunday the 3rd to Saturday the 16th, where we pick it up away again at Wolves, middle of the day on a Saturday but we are on at the odd time of 2 o'clock this Sunday uh, against Aston Villa at Anfield and I think this is falling into the category of one of those um, home games that you might feel a little bit less than comfortable with so can I get your take on that and I mean 
it, it, this next run is very interesting just to put into perspective when we do come back we have that Wolves game um, we have West Ham at home I'm actually at that one myself we've got Spurs away it's quite an interesting run Brighton away um, into into October but I hate to say this Jan previous iterations of Liverpool you'd be looking at all those games and going yeah they're all wins they're all we will, we will win these games Maybe we can ride this momentum, the late winner momentum into the Villa game, sweep them away. I think if we did that, you'd have tremendous confidence for the rest of this run. What is it about Villa that makes them potentially uh, worrisome opponents for you? Well, obviously, it's pretty clear. Uh, it's it's ever since Unai Emery's took over. Uh, he's done a really good job. In, in 2023... Uh, he has the second most points in the Premier League. Only Pep Guardiola has won more points than Unai Emery with Aston Villa. Uh, but it's also, I think, when you look at the way that they play, very high defensive line, they squeeze space, they, they give you nowhere to uh, to go, and they've got good attacking players. Uh, Leon Bailey has finally shown some form. I think they've done really well with the boy Diaby, so they've signed for Leverkusen. Ollie Watkins were well aware of him, and his abilities to run in behind and, and score goals. They got two super centre midfield players, Kamara and Douglas Luiz. They are really, really good. Uh, got a good goalkeeper. Left back at the start of the season, really away. Luca Dean, they used to play for Everton. John McGain is John McGain, isn't it? Always delivers to a high standard. These are the dangerous team, but they give you a chance because of the high defensive line that they play. You, you said before that you rate this manager very highly and uh, I mean <laughs> he, he wins trophies that's a that's a that's a, certainly a thing uh, the the idea of them giving us a chance uh, with the way that they play uh, I, I agree entirely is there anything that makes us vulnerable to them specifically because people used to say oh the way Liverpool play the high line gives you a real chance but it did give us give, give teams a chance because we did it so bloody well that they were constantly offside and it was a very much a deliberate thing we don't have that solidity about us defensively yet at all I nobody could have that confidence we trust Alison Becker to be wonderful like he was uh, in the, at the last game of the weekend. We know Virgil can be great. We know individually our defenders can be very good, but that unit doesn't have that feel of confidence and solidity about it or even settledness about it yet because of what's not in front of them in terms of a shield. Um, what do you, what do you fear specifically? You, you mentioned some of the, uh, uh, of their, uh, tacking potential in terms of the players. What is it about their system? Is it the, the, the speed? Is it the, 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 the speed in behind? What is it that you worry about? Yeah, it is. It is the speed. I always think that unless you can match player for player against Liverpool in terms of quality, which very, only very few can. And I actually said that on Sunday when we played Newcastle, that I felt that Liverpool got better players than Newcastle. That doesn't guarantee you that you win the game, but I felt we got better players. I also feel we got better players than Aston Villa. So what do Aston Villa need to bring, you know, apart from a clear game plan, is pace. Pace in abundance. People who want natural game is to run in behind. And they got that. And then to feed that pace, you've got two very good centre midfield players who are calm in possession, who can find the pass. So I suggest, because we have been vulnerable, I suggest that Villa will have their moments. Uh, but we have got, as I said before, we have got better players than Villa. So all in all, it should be a game 
that we should win. And we saw Villa in the first game at St. James's Park get run over in the second half with that high defensive line losing 5-1, isn't it? I thought that was only, and I think they proved that ever since. You know, they, 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 they've been very comfortable in the next two games winning 4-0 and 3-1. This is a good team. Uh, so, can't stress enough that the arbit that they bought from Labour Christian is quick as anything and that's a bit more Bailey's finding his feet is and Watkins is always handful. Yeah, I think that's a perfect summary of, of the threat we face. With that in mind, what do you think it's going to end up? Yeah, uh, I thought there would be goals at uh, St. James's Park. It wasn't, it wasn't as wild as I thought it was going to be in terms of chances and shots and, and possibly goals. Uh, but again, I have this Villa game down as one with plenty of opportunities for that final pass. And I think that's for both teams. If we can get that right, I expect it to be goals. But I expect we'll beat them. I think we'll beat them 3-1. Wow. Okay. That's that. I, I didn't see that coming. I'm, it's very, very heartening to hear, and and and, and let's hope that is the result. Uh, we will have a lot to talk about next time we speak, Jan, because we will have that Europa draw to look back on. We'll have the Villa game to look back on, um, and plenty more besides. With the window having closed, maybe we'll even have a new player or two to look back on. So, with that in mind, we'll wrap it up and say thanks very much for yet another really good show. No, I enjoyed it. I just want to say, Trevor, is that if you don't show that you're better than Aston Villa or Brighton or West Ham or Chelsea, you're in a big pool of clubs then, aren't you? So we need to show that we're just that little bit better than that next group of, of, of teams. So in terms of trying to get into the top four, we're in a group of maybe four or five clubs you can achieve that, isn't it? But it'll be fine. And we look forward to speaking next week. 100% my friend 100% it is exciting times it's great to be back in it and it's great to have that uptake in terms of pos- positivity and, and, and optimism and thanks again like I said to Jan Mulby for yet another fantastic show here today I've been Trent Denny that was Jan Mulby this is Mulby on the spot and we'll be back next week we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest lfc topics 24 7 sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord you won't regret it you can also follow us on twitter at anfield index and find us on facebook by searching for anfield index Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.